morning, everyone. Welcome to High Plains Church. It's nice to see everyone this sunny, sunny morning. Is it good to worship the Lord or what? That's such a great song. I absolutely love that song. And I would ask you to kind of hang on to that theme a little bit as we talk about what we're going to talk about this morning, because isn't it all of our desires to walk with the Lord in heaven someday? Amen. And we get there because we are redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. We get there because our, love, our Lord loves us and we've been saved because of him. Our names are written in the book of life and one day... Lord willing, we will hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. Amen? That's what we're all here for this morning, right? Because here's what I know. Pastor Dan, senior pastor, if I've not met you, my name is Dan Canoost. I'm the youth pastor here at the church. Um, pastor Dan's still just a little under the weather, getting better though. I'm still more concerned about his voice than anything this morning. <clears throat> so he decided he would torture you guys one more Sunday with me. <laughs> so I want to go ahead and I'm going to continue with thought because I did not plan on preaching today. Till later in the week. So I want to go ahead and just kind of, God laid it on my heart to just finish this story with Daniel, if you will. Because last week we talked about a few things. Last week I talked about this idea of this writing a book to your family. Storyworth was the name of the site that I brought up. And Storyworth, I don't know it. I'm not promoting it. It's just this idea. They ask you questions. You answer the questions. And then at the end of the year, they put it in a book form for whoever you want it to be for. Be it your family, your kids, your wife, whatever. But this idea, this story worth of writing your story, we started this last week because it was a New Year's message, how Daniel, how we basically don't get to control much in this world, right? But we can control this. We can control, we have the ability by God's grace that we just sang about, we have the ability to have control, if I can put it that way, over our relationship, the health of our relationship with Christ. We have a free will. We get to make decisions. So as we build this and as we go forward into this next year, the idea of we don't get to worry about much else other than controlling our relationship with God. And we looked at Daniel's life in chapter one, how he had, he was trying to be re-educated because he'd been picked up, taken 500 to 1,000 miles away from his home, from Jerusalem. He was in the tribe of Judah, got taken over and exiled into the land of Babylon with King Nebuchadnezzar. If you guys remember that story, at the age of 15 years old, This happened to him and several other people, but Daniel being the focus of what we've been talking about, at the age of 15, I couldn't even imagine you guys. Think back when you were 15 years old. Somebody picking you up and moving you from the culture that you've known, from what you felt like you were serving God faithfully, and all of a sudden you're in a land exile, a wicked land with a wicked king trying to figure out what in the world are you doing, God? I don't get this. You ever been there? Am I the only one that's ever had that conversation? Like, Lord, I don't understand, but I trust you. And that's what we see with Daniel. And Daniel, when he was in the land of Babylon, was trying to be, they were trying to re-educate him to, to serve the king, to be in the king's service. Three years of re-education program. But here's what Daniel, remember, Daniel resolved not to eat from the king's table. He resolved that I'm going to follow God. I'm going to follow God's laws. I'm going to walk with the Lord, and I am not going to eat from the king's table. But he did it respectfully, remember? He asked if that'd be okay. He, he processed his way through this whole thing respectfully. He didn't pitch a fit. He didn't protest. He didn't riot. He didn't do all the things that we see in the world today. Daniel did it in a way that honored God. And that's what we talked about last week and how the reward was. Remember when I talked about this, and I really believe Daniel was rewarded with the ability of, of interpreting dreams and visions and all these different things, yes. But I really believe our reward on this side of heaven is just to know that we bring glory to God. Yes? Do you know, what that, you know what that feels like, right? Everybody in this room knows what it feels like when you've just done the right thing before God. And it just feels good, doesn't it? That's our reward. That's what we're being rewarded with, I believe, ultimately on this side of heaven. Because our responsibility is to bring glory to God here. So I want to take that thought of what Daniel went through, and I want to go ahead and extend that into chapter 6. 
What I'm going to do this morning with chapter 6, I'll, I'll break it down here in just a minute. I'm not going to read the whole thing because you don't want to listen to me read 28 verses of scripture, number one. And then number two, I'm, just for time's sake, I'm going to kind of break the story down. But what I want to do first is I want to give you just a little bit of background in the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 1, we see Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego being resolved not to eat from the king's table. Chapter 2, we see Daniel being called by the king, and it was going to cost them their life if God did not speak to Daniel. But Daniel was given the ability to interpret Nebuchadnezzar's dream. Chapter 3, we don't see Daniel. We see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego not bowing down to the 90-foot image of gold that Nebuchadnezzar made. They stood strong. They stood because they were walking with God. And in today's world, there's so many lessons in the first six chapters of Daniel that we can grab a hold of today, I believe, and it'll change our lives. Chapter 3, you see these three young Hebrew boys, just a sea of people, if you can see it, just a sea of people. Everybody bowed down except for these three young Hebrew men. And you know what the story is. They got tossed in the fiery furnace because of it. But in the fiery furnace, one of my favorite pictures in scripture is Nebuchadnezzar looking in the fire and asking his servants, didn't we throw three in there? Oh, yes, king, we did. Sucking up to the king, right? Yes, there's this three. And Nebuchadnezzar says, but there's a fourth one in there. And he looks like a son of the gods. It was Christ, a Christophany. Jesus showed up in the fiery furnace with these guys. And do you remember the story? Nebuchadnezzar had to call them out of the fire. I don't know if that lands on anybody else, but if my house is on fire, what am I going to do? And I got the ability. Their ropes had been burned. They'd been unbound. They were walking around in the fire. But because they were with Christ, they didn't leave. Nebuchadnezzar had to call them out of the fire. Chapter 4 of Daniel, we see again him given the ability to interpret dreams and visions. Chapter 5 is such a great story. Have you ever heard the, the saying in the world, the handwriting's on the wall? That comes from Daniel chapter 5, when Belshazzar had taken the, the elements of the, the Lord's elements that were holy and set aside and used them to party with. Well, God said, okay, that's enough of that. Belshazzar lost his life that night. Do you see that in chapter 5 where Daniel comes in and he's able to read? Imagine if you just see a hand show up here on the wall and start scribbling something on the wall. Belshazzar, it really says he kind of wet himself if you interpret it right. I would too. His knees were knocking. He was having a fit because he didn't know what it was. He was scared to death. Daniel comes in and he's able to read that and interpret it and tell Belshazzar, tonight you'll lose your life. And then we get into Daniel chapter 6. And Daniel chapter 6 is what I kind of want to break down this morning for just the next few minutes. And then I'm going to give you some thoughts of this idea of still what we can learn from Daniel. What we can learn from Daniel as he writes his story that we're watching today, this story worth story that's been written from Daniel chapter 1 to Daniel chapter 6. When he starts at the age of 15 and he ends up in Daniel chapter 6 being about 80 years old. And that's his story in between here. And the story of Daniel, he was always found faithful. No matter what he did, he was always found faithful to God. And we'll talk a little bit more about that here in just a bit. But this morning, he'd been in Babylon, a wicked, evil land for approximately 70 years. And I think I'm safe in saying that the last year has been tough, yes? With the leadership we have in our country that doesn't always line up with the Christian principles. I'm not going to get political this morning, but it doesn't line up. We've been at it a year, and we're having a fit. Imagine Daniel, 70 years he lived in a wicked land, and he was faithful to God the whole time. And we're going to look at, I believe, why that was. But the story that we're going to look at this morning 
takes place about 539 B.C. Last week, the story took place about 605, 608 B.C. So we're about 539 B.C. We're still in the land of Babylon. In Daniel chapter 6, it's still found in the land of Babylon. Now, that is modern-day Iraq is basically what that is. But here's what happened. Now, uh, the Medes and the Persians have taken over. Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar, they're both dead and gone. The Babylonians, the Chaldeans, are dead and gone. Now it's the Medes and the Persians. The Medes and the Persians had joined forces to whoop up on the Babylonian Empire and take over. So now they're in charge. you got King Darius, who's a Mede. He teamed up with King Cyrus, who's a Persian. They joined forces, and then that's what you see this morning, who's in charge over the land of Babylon. So you watch Daniel over all these different kings, over all these different years, staying faithful to God. So I want to touch on this story for just a moment this morning, and I'm going to break down a little bit of scripture for you and give you some ideas of what I believe, um, what we can learn from Daniel in chapter 6, Daniel chapter 6, if you will. So it starts off with, it says that Darius, the Mede, is in charge, and he wants to do a reorganization pro plan for work. So you show up at work one morning, and all of a sudden there's a new flow chart. And he's got 120 people that he wants to put over all the provinces. And then he's got a few officers, three administrators that are going to oversee all of these 120 that are watching over the rest of, the, of, of his empire, of his kingdom. So you got the flow chart. You got King Darius, then you got three administrators, and you got 120 others that are out and out and about. But those administrators are the ones that are going to watch over those that are watching the provinces, the 120, so the king doesn't get ripped off. Because that's really what this is about, was the king's money. Because he, feel, he felt like somebody was trying to filter some money from him. So he sets this all up, right? But what happens is this. Again, we see in Scripture, just like in chapter 1, when Nebuchadnezzar looked at Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and found them to be head and shoulders above 10 times better than anybody else out there because they didn't eat from the king's table, because they didn't feed from the world, you see the same thing in Daniel chapter 6. It says... The king Darius probably learned of Daniel because he wasn't around that much, probably learned of Daniel, watched Daniel, saw Daniel's character, saw how honest and trustworthy he was, and he decided he was going to put Daniel, he was going to change the flow chart again and put Daniel over the administrators and over all the satraps, the 120 that were out there. And everybody got jealous. Everybody did not like, all those serving the king did not like the idea for two reasons. One, he's from the tribe of Judah, that being Daniel. And the second thing is Daniel's honest. They couldn't get away with the junk they were trying to do. They couldn't get away with ripping off the king. Daniel was in the way. Daniel's, Daniel's biblical, or if I can call it a Christian, Christianity wasn't around that, but a man who followed God got in their way because he, did, he wanted to do it God's way. He didn't want to do it the other way. Well, this creates a bunch of jealousy. So all these guys decide they're going to try to set Daniel up. They tried their best to find something that they could pin on Daniel to take to the king to say, see, ha, see, see, but they couldn't find anything. The only thing they come up with was this. They thought, okay, here's what we'll do. The only way we're going to trap Daniel is to figure out some way within his own faithfulness to his own religion to, to following God the way he was. we got to set him up within that arena because he does nothing wrong outside. You could not tempt Daniel to do anything against God. You see that all the way through scripture. So what they did is they knew Daniel was a praying man. So they went to the king and they, hey, king, hey, king, you ever seen that guy at work or that girl at work who's just doing one of these numbers with the boss all the time? They go up and they say, hey, king, I got an idea. <clears throat> all of us have agreed that for the next 30 days, oh, king, because you're so awesome, that no one should pray or petition anyone other than you. 
So in other words, Darius, for 30 days, you get to be God. And anyone who goes against that and prays or petitions to anyone else other than you, O king, will be thrown into the lion's den. King's kind of prideful. He's puffed up a little bit. He goes, you know what? It's a pretty good idea. If you ever watched the movie Bruce Almighty, but that didn't work out too good for Bruce. So for 30 days, they made this law. Pastor Dan Tanner would know this. Pastor Dan is always using this statement. I'm saying this, and it's like the laws of the Medes and the Persians that shall not be altered. Right, Tanner? That shall not be altered. Pastor Dan's always saying that because here's the deal. When the king made a decree, it could not be changed. So the king stamps it, says, there's the law. So Daniel reads this, hears of this. What's Daniel do? He goes off to his house as normal and prays three times a day, just like always. He knew if he went against this law, it could not be altered. And he went ahead and did it anyway because he would not bow down to the king that way. He was going to be faithful to God. So the little minions that served the king, they went off and there. You can see him. Daniel's up in his house with the window open, praying east, praying towards, praying towards Jerusalem. And these guys are slinking around downstairs listening. And they went, ha, got him. He's praying. So they slink back to the king and they say, oh, king, oh, king, didn't you make a law? And the king says, yes, I did. Well, Daniel, that one from the tribe of Judah that you put in charge over all of us, is praying to his God. Well, Darius is stuck. Kind of get down to the meat of it here. Darius is stuck. He has no choice. He has to fulfill this law. So he takes Daniel. He tried all day long to figure out some way not to have to throw Daniel in the lion's den because he cared for Daniel. I believe he cared for Daniel because of Daniel's personality and who he was, but also that he protected the king's interest. So he, he didn't want to do this, but he didn't have a choice because later that day, the little minions come back again and they're like, oh, king, oh, king, you've got to stay with the law because they didn't want Daniel just taken out of power. They wanted Daniel to disappear completely. They knew what was going to happen to Daniel if this all went through, and it did. Darius sent Daniel out to the lion's den, dropped him in the lion's den, put a lid over the top, sealed it so it would be done according to the purpose of it, of being tossed in the lion's den, and, and you would think that that would be the end of the story. That Daniel's done for. But the Lord sends an angel, sends his angel, it says, into the lion's den to close the mouths of the lions. Daniel survived, wakes up in the morning, kings go, king goes rushing out to find out if Daniel's there. Daniel says, oh, king, live forever. He's still respectful. Oh, king, live forever. Daniel's, he's raised up out of the lion's den. He's okay. Darius is fuming at the, he's just mattered and all get out at the people that set Daniel up because he loved Daniel. So he takes the people that set Daniel up, threw them, their wives, and their kids down into the pit. And before they hit the ground, the lions attacked them and killed them and chomped them up. And at the end of this story, Darius proclaims the goodness of Daniel's God through all the nation. So when you see this story, all of that put together this morning, I would encourage you, go back today. Please go back today and take the time to read Daniel chapter 6. It's such a great story. It's got so much meat in it. But you see Daniel again through this whole story doing what? The one thing that he always did is being faithful to God. No matter what he did, he always served God. Now I want to go ahead and I'm going to break this down a little bit for you this morning. Because I believe there's five things I'm going to touch on briefly this morning. That I believe we can look at this story, see Daniel from chapter 1. Two, three, four, five, and then into six. 
things that we can learn from Daniel that we can hold on to this morning, that we can walk out of this room with, something that happened thousands of years ago that is still so relevant today that will help us to do this, keep our eyes focused on God going forward into 2022, to have that resolve. But the very first thing that Daniel did here is Daniel, the first point is Daniel pledged his life to God. Daniel pledged his life to God. That's what he did. His whole existence revolved around God. Everything he did revolved around the Lord. He knew all the different circumstances in a wicked land, been picked up as a young man, exiled, basically a slave for almost 70 years in this wicked land that he was in. To pledge means this, a solemn promise or agreement to do or refrain from doing something. It's kind of like resolve we talked about last week, to make a decision to do or not to do something. But there's a word in this that I kind of hung on to. It says a solemn promise or agreement. We have to come in agreement with God. We have to come in agreement with God, number one, that we're sinners and that we need redeemed, just like we sang this morning. We have to come into agreement with God that I am a sinner and I need redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ if I'm going to go to heaven with a big fat period at the end of that. There is no other way. So when you think of a pledge, have you done that? Have you come into agreement with God? Because here's what I know. Daniel produced good fruit in his life because of this pledge that he made when he was a young kid. He made this pledge that I'm going to live for God no matter what at a very young age. But he did it, and because of that, he has good fruit in his life. And the good fruit in his life is he brought glory to God in all that he did. No matter what what the circumstance or situation, Daniel was the same man no matter what. Before I gave my life to Christ, I can't make that statement. Today, I believe I can make that statement. Because of the grace of God, what you see on Sunday morning, you go home with me this afternoon, you're going to see the same guy. Sorry, pray for my wife. She needs it. (laughs) But that was Daniel. No matter what the circumstance or situation, he was the same guy. He was sold out to God. I believe if you're not sold out to God, you will sell out to something else eventually in your life, even for a moment that you'll sell out to something else. Even if your attention turns a different direction, why would we want to live that way? I want to be sold out for God because of what we sang this morning and what he's done for me. Why wouldn't I be? Well, yeah, but I might miss out. Well, yeah, no. Why? Think about that. Why would we not be sold out to our Savior? We think about what he's done for us. See, Daniel knew God. And that's why you see the same guy, 70 years, living in a land that was full of wickedness and different kings and evil things. And I, I can't help but wonder, and I'll talk a little bit about this more, but it comes to mind now. I can't help but wonder if Daniel didn't have a bad day. <laughs> he had to have bad days, didn't he? How are we developed spiritually? We're refined by fire, Yes. Jesus says, you will face many trials of many kinds, but take heart, I have overcome. If we're developed in our faith by tough times and tough situations that God helps build us through, Daniel had to have bad days, didn't he? If you're going to see this young man at the age of 15 and at 80 years old, he's even stronger then than he was back in the day. It's because he went through hard times, but because during those hard times, he trusted God and he kept his eyes fixed on God. And here's why. And then it says he is found to have an extraordinary spirit. That's what King Darius saw in Daniel was an extraordinary spirit at the age of 80 years old. 
And I believe because of this pledge this young man made, there were no skeletons in his closet. There were no emails. There were no text messages. There were no conversations. There was nothing. See, in today's world, what do we like to do? 40 years ago, I know what you did, and we're going to drag it up today, and we're going to make sure that we bring it up so we can ruin your life today. Daniel didn't have any of that because if he had, these guys would have found it because they all lived in the same land. He was always in the king's court. He was always serving the king, but they couldn't find anything. He had no skeletons in his closet. Nothing in his life was hidden. Daniel was faithful and faultless in his testimony to the enemies, to the fallen people around him. He was raised up because of Christ. Listen to me. Here's, I think, really important. I've heard another pastor teach on this. Don't ruin your testimony. Oh, man, if we've been saved by the blood of Jesus, if we've been redeemed because of what he's done on the cross for us, and we're walking with him, and we're spending time with him, we're doing good, and all of a sudden, I desire to do something for me that honors me rather than honoring God, don't ruin your testimony. Because just in a moment, it takes away from the glory of God, doesn't it? Wow. See, and people are sitting around waiting on us, aren't they? They're sitting around waiting for us to screw up, aren't they, as Christians? Ha! What kind of God do you got? Daniel didn't have that. He was faultless and faithful the whole time. Verse 5 even shows it. And Daniel, verse 5, chapter 6, verse 5, shows that these guys tried to find something against Daniel, but they couldn't do it. No temptation would get to him or anything. But I believe it's because of this pledge. So before I move on this morning, I want to ask you a question. I want to step on your toes if you'll allow me to for just a minute. I'll say if or is there secrets in your life secret sin that you have in your life that you're dealing with, that you're hiding from other people, that you're living a life where you have to look over your shoulder because you don't know if the sin that you're in is if anybody else sees it. I remember that life. But as a Christian this morning, before God, if you're living any way that if anyone came into your home and searched around your home, would there be anything in your home that would be an embarrassment to you? Anything on your phone that you would not want the Lord to see? Anything that would embarrass your family? We've all known people that have passed away, and then all of a sudden the skeletons come up, right? We hear things that, oh, man, I never knew that. Man, I want to live before God in such a way that when I die, there's no skeletons. There's no hidden. But if you've got something there this morning, I I look at it this way. Dylan Brown, who's a young man who mentors, does a mentorship program at the church. He stays at our house and watches our dogs in our house one time, and he loves Chips Ahoy cookies. He and my wife fight over the Chips Ahoy cookies. They were over at my house a couple weeks ago, him and his brother and one of their girlfriends helping me do some stuff. And they, went, they just walked over to the pantry, opened up the door, and they're like, there's no Chips Ahoy cookies in here. Well, we got to talking about this idea of Daniel and, or Daniel and Dylan, either one of those guys, anybody. I'll invite you guys over. You can snoop through my house all you want, and I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to think, oh, man, I hope they don't look in that room. Think about your life. Do you have any secret sin that should be dealt with? Because God says this, your sin will be found out, number one, if there is. But the second thing is he wants to help you have victory over it. He wants to help you not live that way any longer. Because if you're here this morning and you've given your life to Christ, here's what I do know. You love God. It doesn't mean that you've quit believing in the cross. It just means you've got a corridor in your life that needs to be dealt with. That there's something there that God needs, to, God needs you to pledge to live for him. To confess it to Christ and repent. And he is faithful and just to help you. Scripture says this. Whoever conceals their sin does not prosper. But the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Proverbs 28, 13. 
1 John 1, 9 says, Confess your sins. He is faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and purify you from all unrighteousness. So this morning, if you don't hear anything else I say and God is convicting you as you sit in your seat, please go to him. Come to a pastor. Go to a friend. Confess your sin. Repent of it and go a different direction. And do like Daniel. Pledge. Pledge your life to Christ. Because, see, we've got something that Daniel didn't have, and I'll move on to my second point. We've got, the, we've got the power of God through the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in us as believers. There's nothing we can't do. It's just whether we'll make a choice to follow God or not through it. Second point is this. Daniel performed his duties before God. Verse 3 and, verse three and 4b says this. Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers. Because, Daniel had, because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. He was always faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. Again, Daniel served under Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar, Darius, and Cyrus, and he served them well. But see, here's, here's what I do know. Daniel didn't work for them. Where do you work? Where's your job at? Think about this for a second. Where do you work? You might work there, but who do you work for? Ladies, if you're a stay-at-home mom, God bless you. You work, work, work way harder than anybody outside the home, in my opinion. You have a full-time job. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year, you're on the job. The husband might roll in at the end of the day, take a couple hours here and there. God bless you. That's what we're supposed to do. But you ladies that stay home, you guys work hard. But who are you working for? See, I believe Daniel knew who he worked for, and it was where he worked for God. He, filled, he fulfilled a scripture that had not even been penned yet in Colossians 3.23. Paul says this, work willingly at whatever you do, as though you are working for the Lord rather than for people. Man, we have bad days at work, don't we? Moms, you guys have days at home you just want to give up, right? I got two, my daughter and my daughter-in-law have kids, and I know it's tough. But who are you working for? Because I really believe if we remember who we're working for, we will continue to do it for his glory. If I, think, if I thought for a second when I used to work for SLS, my boss and I often used to joke about that. He'd say, you don't work for me. And I'd be like, you're right, I don't work for you. And he knew exactly what I meant. I work for God. When you get discouraged and it's overwhelming at work and you want to quit and you want to give up, I really believe you, not every time, please hear my heart, but I really believe you need to sit back, step back, look at this and go, have I forgotten who I work for? I know what the paycheck says. I know where I tithe. And where I tithe, that's where I give back to who I work for. Scripture also says this in Colossians 3.17, Whatever you do, in word and deed, do it all in the name of Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And I really believe when you think about Daniel's life, he did this. He knew who he worked for. Everything he did in word and deed was to God's glory. And, it said, and I like this, 1 Corinthians 10.31, So whatever you eat or drink, I'm not going to eat from the king's table, he said, right? Whatever you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. He knew who he worked for. Daniel was a man of integrity. Integrity in me, to me, in its short definition, is doing the right thing when nobody else is watching. That's where we build our integrity and our character at, is when no one else is watching, doing the right thing because we know his eyes are on us. Listen, Daniel was not a perfect man, okay? So don't, don't, we don't want to put Daniel up here on this pedestal thinking, I can never achieve that. We have the power of the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. There's nothing we can't do. But Daniel was a man who just made choices that he was going to follow God no matter what. There's nobody in this room that can't do that. There's nobody online watching this that cannot make that same choice. His private decisions led to his public behavior. 
And I thought about this this morning when I was reviewing my notes, so bear with me for a second if I can get this across. I don't know if it's just this part of the world or other parts. I've only lived in Montana and Wyoming for a lot of years, so I got that redneck mentality that we have here, right? And we teach our kids, don't we? We teach our kids, work hard, be honest, be a person of integrity. Your word means something, amen? Yes? We teach them how to work. But here's the problem with work. You, most of the time, we can't bring our kids to work with us, can we? So they don't see you developing that work ethic, being that man of integrity, that woman of integrity, and developing that at work. They don't get to see that. But I want to challenge you guys with something this morning. Each one of us in this room, are we teaching our kids how to be a person of integrity? That we can do, can't we? That we can lay before them and we can teach them the things of God. We can teach them the stories of Daniel and how Daniel is a man of integrity because he just did what brought glory to God. So yes, we want to teach our kids a good work ethic. And Daniel knew who he worked for. But Daniel was a man of integrity. And I really believe this, that he taught others around him. I think I really, if you, if I... I don't know, maybe I'm reading too much into this, so if you'd allow me to just kind of drift a little bit. I believe Daniel had an influence over Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I really believe that he had an influence over them, and what he did had to impact other people, other people as he lived his life. Here's a scripture that helped me when I was looking at this. Proverbs 20, verse 7 says, The godly walk with integrity. The godly walk with integrity, and blessed are the children who follow them. It means our children don't have to follow us, do they? We pray they do, but they don't have to follow the example that we set. But before God, no matter what my kids do, I'm going to set that example. If you're of the golden years in this room, which I think is a, I don't know who came up with that term. It must have been somebody young because the golden years are pretty tough, right? It's hard. We'll talk about that in a second. But you think about if you're at work, and I've had this conversation with men, if you're at work and you've got gray hair, the younger ones aren't going to listen to you, are they? They don't want to listen to you. You don't know anything. You're out of touch. You're out of date. You don't get it, right? So if you're older in this room and you're at work and they're treating you that way, you continue to be a person of integrity. I don't care. I care, but I don't care. You continue to be that person of integrity. You continue to serve God because you know you're working for him. And if you're younger in this room, you humble yourself. And you learn from those who have more experience than you. I used to tell my kids all the time, you want to have a good career and have your learning curve be cut in at least half? You find someone who's been doing something longer than you, humble yourself, allow that person to put their arm around you and teach you what they know. And your learning curve will go way down, trust me. So those are some of the things that I believe Daniel had going for him. Daniel was this. It says at the end of verse for the latter part of it, it says, simply put, Daniel was trustworthy in his relationship with God. Daniel was trustworthy. I want to share this and I'll move on to my third point because I think this is something else that maybe for young people or anybody in the room, I would ask you this. Have you ever lost trust with someone? Have you ever done something in your life and broke trust with them? It's a hard place to be, isn't it? I believe this. If you want to rebuild that trust, and if there's not a parent in this room that doesn't have a kid that under, doesn't understand what I'm about to say. If you want to rebuild that trust with someone, the only reason Daniel was trustworthy was because of his relationship with the Lord. That's it. So if you broke trust with someone and you want to rebuild that trust, 
the only thing that's going to make you trustworthy again, the only thing they can look at and see that makes you trustworthy is your relationship with the Lord and how you build that back. Because think about it. Then that person could look at you and who gets the glory for your trustworthiness? Christ. Because he changed your life. And if you're trustworthy in this room, I like to think that my wife trusts me, not because I'm a good man. I'm human. I'm a man. And I can make mistakes and I can blow it like that. Rachel trusts me because of my relationship with the Lord. She knows I would rather have anything happen to me than damage that relationship because of what he means to me. Does that make sense? So Daniel was trustworthy. But even when Daniel's life was in great danger, and it was, he did not compromise. He did not try to fight, run away. He ran towards God in the midst of his trouble. And that's my third point. Daniel prayed daily to God. Verse 10 says this, now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where his window was open toward Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed and gave thanks to God just as he had done before. Daniel didn't run. Daniel wasn't sarcastic. Daniel went to God. One of the things, out of all the spiritual disciplines that we have in our lives, I think one of the things we cannot compromise is our prayer life. I really believe that's so critical to us. It's one of the hardest things for me to do personally is to have a healthy prayer life because I'm busy and it just takes time, right? But that's one of the, I have to, listen, I hope I'm not a bad Christian. If I am, forgive me. I have to work at my prayer life. There are days I have to make myself sit down and pray. Maybe that makes me a horribly bad pastor and a horribly bad Christian, but the reality is I have to make myself do that. And by God's grace, I can. And if you're not, it's just an excuse Daniel prayed in the midst of a horribly bad situation. Daniel went and did what he always did. Psalm 55, 17 says this. Evening, morning, and noon will I pray and cry aloud, and shall he hear my voice. You guys have heard me teach this before probably. Prayer doesn't, change. prayer doesn't always change my circumstance, but prayer does allow me by God's grace to deal with my circumstance to his glory, and that's what Daniel did. Daniel's enemy knew knew this. He would commit, not compromise. His enemies knew what he would do, and he did it. He did not compromise. He committed to do the same thing he had always done. Man, I want to be like that. Don't you guys? I want to be that guy that I'm never going to compromise. It doesn't even cross my mind that I'm just the commitment that I've made is stronger than anything else. Because think about it. Consider, the, consider for a moment the excuses Daniel could have used in having not prayed. It's just 30 days. 30 days isn't going to ruin my life. 30 days of not praying if I'm Daniel. Think about it. It's like maybe I could have went to God and he could have quietly said, Oh, Lord, help me. Forgive me. I'll be back in 30 days. See ya. Could you imagine saying that to God? Today when you go home, say, Lord, see you in 30 days. I'll be back. That's horrible when you think about it, isn't it? But he could have compromised. He had a lot of responsibility. He was tired. He was 80 years old. Can we just be honest? If all those that have chronic pain stand up in this room, most of the room would stand up. He's tired. He doesn't want to have to deal with this. It's like it's overwhelming. It's like, Lord, I've been serving you for 80 years of my life plus. Can I just have a break today? Can I just not do this? He could have went off because he was busy. He could have went off. He could have closed his windows. He could have went off somewhere else and quietly prayed. But you know what he's doing? He's conniving and he's manipulating exactly like his enemies were if he did that. He could have had a lot of opportunity to go off and do different things in different directions and not do this. But Daniel didn't make any excuses. 
He went and did what he always had done because he knew where to go in the midst of trouble. And it wasn't to run from God, it was run to God and hit his knees. When you watch Daniel face this crisis, you get a feeling that it wasn't much of a crisis for him. Does that make sense? When you look at him, he didn't sit here and debate this with himself. And I thought about this a lot. I thought, okay, let's take different personalities. You take a personality that's bold and strong, and I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray like I've always prayed, and that's it. That's what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Maybe you have that personality. Maybe you have more of a personality like I do. And you're, 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 you're freaking out, and you're afraid, and you're, you're weeping, and you're like, Lord, I don't know what to do. But in the midst of whatever personality type I might have, what do I do? I go, and I do exactly as I've done before. Don't let your personality and how you respond to it, it's your response to it that makes the difference. Is how are you responding to it? Are you going to stay faithful to God and do what he's always taught you to do? Daniel did that, and there was a high price that Daniel knew he was going to pay. See, Daniel didn't know the end of the story. And Daniel's thinking to himself, I'm going to go do this, and I'm going to get tossed to the lion's den. The lion's den, which we'll talk about in a minute, was real, and he knew exactly it was going to cost him his life if he did this. But he trusted God through it. Didn't make any difference. What the, he didn't know what the outcome was. He didn't know what was going to happen, but he knew who he followed. And who he followed is good. We might not, we might not know what's going to happen. We might not be able to trust God right then. It doesn't seem like, but we can trust him because he's got the outcome that's going to bring him glory and it'll be the best for us. A believer who knows to kneel in prayer has no problem standing in the strength of the Lord. But we got to pray, you guys. We've got to pray. We've got to pray. We've got to pray. We've got to go to God in this next year with our troubles and our trials, and we've got to hit our knees, and we've got to spend time with him. And listen to me. Even if you go and you pray and you don't even know what to say, listen, he'll speak to you if you just quiet your heart and listen. Prayer brought peace to Daniel in this. Prayer brings peace. See, see, King Darius went off that night because he, was, he loved Daniel and he was worried about him. He went off that night stressed out. He went off that night with a sleepless night. And you see Daniel being lowered down into this lion's den, and you wonder what his temperament was as he's being lowered down in there. I'm sure he was freaking out. I'm sure he was afraid. I'm sure he was scared. But in the midst of that, you get a sense that Daniel had peace because Daniel had prayed. Daniel had spent time with the Lord, and he prayed. Daniel, the scripture says, when you draw near to me, God says, I will draw near to you. The king didn't have that peace because the king didn't know God. We have a peace as believers because we know God and we spend time with him. We get that peace that surpasses all understanding. That's one of the things, that's the benefit of prayer. So Daniel prayed. And the fourth point is this, Daniel experienced God's presence. In the midst of it, he endured a divine test. He experienced God's presence when he went and prayed. He experienced God's presence. And when he was being lowered, lowered down into the lion's den, he experienced God's presence. Daniel broke the law. Daniel was going to be tossed into the lion's den, no doubt. And this lion's den was something that was, from what I've studied, was a kind of a cave that they lowered people down into. And there was a dividing wall in this cave that they would lift up and let the lions out. So the, the wall went down, and they would keep the lions on one side, clean up all the bones that were executed, right? All the people that, all the leftovers. And then, so they lowered Daniel down into this thing, right? They lower him down into this, lift the, lift the deal up, close the lid, seal it up tight, and say, good luck, Daniel. King Darius said something to him really unique. He says, may the God that you serve continually save you. 
That's an encouraging word from someone who doesn't even know God to Daniel as he's lowering him down in there. May the God you serve continually, Daniel, save you. And I believe this, and I'm going to make this real short and sweet and move on to my last point, and then we'll close with a song. In the midst of this, Daniel experienced God's presence. He was there with him because it says, Daniel even said, an angel, his angel showed up and closed the mouths of the lions. See, God could have spoke a word and closed the mouths of the lions, yes? God has that ability. But see, God loves you enough to be in the midst of the lion's den with you. So he sent his angel, which is a Christophany. Christ himself was in that lion's den, theologians would say. Christ himself was in the lion's den with Daniel. So he experienced the presence of God in the midst of the darkness of the cave. And I can't imagine they had a bunch of floodlights down there. It had to be pretty dark, dim, and awful scary when you could hear the growl of the lions as you're being lowered down into this cave. But he experienced God's presence in there because he closed the mouth of the lions. The angel of the Lord did. But he also experienced Daniel's, Daniel experienced God's protection. And that's what you see is when you're in a situation, if you've got God's presence, God will give you protection in the midst of what's going on in your situation. And then God also, at the end of that, gave him provision. It gave him provision to survive, to, to survive the trial that he was going through. But why does God do this? I thought a lot about this because not every believer is going to be rescued like Daniel. We see all over scripture, the disciples all gave their life for Christ. Not every faithful believer is going to experience what Daniel experienced, supernatural rescue from God. It's going to be hard sometimes. But I believe this is what God does. God gives us his presence. God loves us and his grace gives us his presence, his protection, and his provision to do one thing ultimately, and that's to guard my relationship with him. To keep my relationship intact with the Lord, he provides those things just like he did Daniel in the dark of the night. If you're in this room and you've had, we've all had dark nights, Yes. We've all had nights where it's just hard, right? And you don't know what to do, and it seems like it's doomsday, and we're never going to be the same, and it's just going to be horrible, and I don't know what to do. But you always notice how better it gets in the morning when the sun comes up. Always gets better, doesn't it? we got to remember that in the midst of the night, and here's my encouragement to you, and I've done this. My wife and I have done this, and we've experienced this. If you if you're, can't sleep and you're burdened at night, you pray and you cast your cares upon the Lord because he cares for you, number one. You give those burdens to him. And then what I would encourage you to do is sit down and start reading the Psalms out loud. I'm telling you, it'll bring a peace upon your life that you will be very unusual, a peace that surpasses. You won't understand it. But I promise you, if you'll sit down and do that, you'll experience God's presence and his protection and his provision in the midst of that trial, in the darkness of that den, in the darkness of that lion's den. You'll know everything's going to be okay no matter what happens because God is with you. Make sense? Promise if you'll do that, it'll make a difference. And the last thing is this. If I can have Casey and Jessica come up, if they would please, and I think Brooke's going to sing a song also. We're going to close with the song here in just a minute. But the fifth point is this. There was a proclamation of God. See, early on in this chapter, Darius confessed him to be God. He proclaimed, I'm God, King Darius says, right? At the end of this, after all this goes on, because see, God could have kept Daniel out of the lion's den. He could have kept Daniel from being lowered down in there, but because he didn't, he gets more glory. Because everybody had to hear about how God sent an angel to rescue Daniel from being chomped up in the lion's den. And then all of a sudden they lower these other guys down in their family, their, their wives and their kids, which seems kind of harsh, but it was a Persian law. Just exactly like the law, the Medes and the Persians cannot be altered at all. That was part of the law. Was to, the whole family was to be put in there when something like that happened. 
But Darius claimed himself to be God. And at the end of this, here's what King Darius, and at the beginning of the chapter, he claimed himself to be God. At the end of this chapter, it says this, Then King Darius wrote to all the nations and people of every language in all the earth, May you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people, may, people must fear and have reverence for the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lion's den. Can you imagine what Daniel had to be thinking when he was standing there? Just put yourself in Daniel's shoes for just a second. Man, he had to feel just like overwhelmed to hear the king proclaim to all the nation because of what he was willing to go through in the faithfulness of God. Look at the proclamation that the Lord God got because of that. Isn't that a good way to live our lives? Each and every day, we can have, when we walk away, we can have this kind of a testimony about our God from a fallen world because we've stayed faithful in the midst of the trials and tribulations. We may never face a lion's den. We may never face a fiery furnace. But we are going to face, face disease, death of a loved one, job issues, financial issues. We're going to have our own dens and our own hot fiery furnaces. But I want you guys to remember we don't always get rescued from this stuff like Daniel that had, had, had happened in the story. But here's what I do know. God didn't promise to fix everything, but he promised to be with us in all that we go through. And that's enough, is it not? Because our Savior is willing to be in the den with us, to be in the fiery furnace with us, to sustain us for his glory and the health of our relationship, no matter what that looks like and no matter how that turns out, I can have confidence in this. My God's with me. There's no other religious system because religion is not Christianity. It's a relationship. But for a minute, there's no other religious system on the planet that offers that. He's not just with us. He is in us. He dwells in us when we're believers. And he walks with us through the hardest times in the world. So we can have confidence in this, knowing as Proverbs 14, 26 says this, In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence, and his children will have a refuge. We can have strong confidence so no matter what the situation is going into 2022, our God is with us. And because of that, we have the power and the ability by his grace to stay faithful to him no matter what the situation and circumstance is. It's not about confidence in my own abilities. It's about having confidence knowing that God is with me. Pledge your life to him. Remember who you work for. Pray like crazy. And you know he's there to protect you because you've got his presence with you. And then think about the glory that he's going to get because through the hardest times of our lives, we just stay faithful to him. Listen to the words of this song these guys are going to play, if you would, please, because this song to me has been a stalwart for me through a lot of tough situations because I do have confidence, not in me, but in my Savior.